If you look at most good football players, they have a nice butt. Seven minute abs. Chris is, is touching DK's abs. I really want to touch All them in real abs. life, too. <laughs> yo, yo, what's up? Chris Sims here. We're Unbuttoned Podcast. I got my man, Ahmed Fareed. Did I say it right? I'm still like a work. Ahmed. 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 I'm That's sorry, okay. man. I'm choking under the gun <laughs> with that one. I really am. What I love is that there's nothing, uh, you know, like fake about your 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 admiration for the calves and the football the body right yeah yeah that's come up off air multiple times now well it it is part of like scouting and i am into it (laughs) as oddly it's like something that happened like with really is is growing up it was more of like me and my father talking about players and whatever it may be attention to detail attention to you know like i mean christopher look at his legs i mean of course he can run like that you know it really became like a talking point where i was like yeah dad that does make a lot of sense i get you (laughs) so we always talked about that I've scouted your legs and butt, too, just so you know, not to make you feel uncomfortable. And you go, maybe played in high school, never had a college Yeah, no future there. No future. Nobody's paying money for your legs (laughs) and butt. I'm sorry. Although, um, although I guarantee you there's been great players with no butt, and we're going to go. We're going to do that. Players. You brought that up. You want to know the great players with no legs the and butt. No, the all-no-butt team. And we'll do that at some point. The <laughs> all-no-Kim Kardashian team. Yes, okay? exactly. I'm going to uh, whoop your butt in that ping pong at some point, too. N- uh, no. No. You, you, you may try. You're better at me than many things, Chris. Ping pong might not be one not of them. Syracuse University, uh, my junior year, uh, Booth Hall, yeah. dorm champion. Okay. Uh, back-to-back years, right? Junior and senior year, Booth Hall dorm dorm champion. There were five participants both years, crushed them all. Okay, damn, I'm a little scared now that I said that. Okay, oh wait, you're in the media and you went to Syracuse though. Yeah. That I'm really surprised, surprised by right? this. Isn't this that, is a revelation. None of us around here. There's yeah. none of you. I'm, I'm holding the torch for uh, for Syracuse <laughs> University in the media department. Uh, we are going to have some fun on uh, on this show. Third, the third unbuttoned podcast. Number right. three. Oh, we have no buttons. We've we've already lost all the buttons yep. here. Well, that's part of being unbuttoned, you, you don't know what the hell to expect. You showed me it was okay to, to go with a hoodie. Yeah, I, I like will, it. I will never not wear a hoodie. Yep. Um, we got Tony Dungy yeah. on, on the program today a little bit later talking about Kyler Murray. We pick his brain about uh, free agency. He's going to be going 180 miles an hour in a car. Which doesn't make sense in the same sentence. <laughs> no. I mean, Tony Dungy going like... Risk taker. I think Tony there's Dungy. like a better chance of Tony pulling over a cop for speeding than him actually <laughs> ever getting pulled over for speeding by a cop. So we get to, we get to talk to the great Tony Dungy. We get some reaction. You came out with your, your eight quarterbacks eight top eight draftable quarterbacks yep. out of the draft you ranked him i'm sure my um, i'm sure the reaction was pleasant as you know no, tw- some of it was oh it was you've seen some of the reaction yeah one person liked it um, okay one person were, good we have 13 that that questioned it okay <laughs> so that's what twitter is for so we'll, we'll get to that a little cool. bit later on as you as you know you can listen uh anywhere you you listen to your podcast you can watch us we're actually here and you can see us our mouths moving over on youtube slash nbc sports we uh, thank you for the comments so far. I've actually gotten a few comments on the podcast. We've only done it a couple times. Good. They've been very good. So we, we appreciate the comments and the reviews and the subscribes and stuff. Yep. Uh, keep that up. We'll keep. Uh, We're going to keep the, trucking along the, and getting to know each other and have fun and right. whatever else. Yeah. We'll grab a drink at some point. Yes. Maybe on air. Um, but we do have, uh, we're fortunate that we have so much going on with the combine and, and ranking these draft prospects, but also with, with free agency. We coming. Got, we got the flirtation period. Yeah. Coming right around the corner. It's coming. This yeah. is where teams can actually, you know, flirt. You can't sign the guy right, yet. Right, right. But you can say, hey, I, I admire you and I enjoy what you bring. What do, what do you think of me? 
And then later on, a few days later, you can go, okay, let's get married. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it is cool because it gives you some baseline as far as what's going to happen during free agency because the rumors start to spill out about, oh, this guy sounds like, you know, him and this team have a marriage that's working together, whatever it may yeah. be. I almost open, wish they would just open it up for dialogue, really, uh, once the combine's over and just get it out there so we can all talk and be a part of the conversation, whatever it is. Because I think a lot of these teams – the groundwork is laid at the combine for, you know, Team X to meet with Agent Y, okay, and we're going to talk about. It'd be a good time to do it. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Let's let's start talking. We have a need at this position. You represent this player who plays that position, and that's really where it does get started. But how about you? Are you a good flirter? I mean, you got married, so you were one time <laughs> yeah, yeah. in your life a good one flirter. Time one time I was time. able to do it. No, I, I no, I wasn't. I was like, make me an offer. Yeah. Right? If you just come, just let's not beat around the bush. Right. Let's just make me an offer. So this period, I would not be very good with this period. Once it gets time. Time to exchange numbers, then it's like, okay. Then you're a little bit better. Let's be serious. Yeah, but yeah. since we're not there yet, let's do a little bit of that. You know, the Millionaire Matchmaker. Remember that yeah. show that was on TV? Did yeah, I remember that. that. I remember that. I really enjoyed that I really, show. when I hear Matchmaker, though, I just want to go Matchmaker, Matchmaker, make me a match, find me a fine, catch from? me a catch. What the hell is that from? What is know. that from? It's something old. <laughs> Maybe Fiddler on the Roof is what they're telling me. All I no, know is I, I feel like it's like one of those things I always heard with people made fun of in movies, but I don't know the original oh, movie yeah. it's from. I was not. I'm not a big movie guy, but even then, I don't think I would have gotten a Fiddler. And on I the still roof don't know, even know Fiddler Roof because I haven't seen that movie before. Um, so let, let's do a little matchmaking. Yeah. Okay. So, cool. So, we're not millionaire matchmakers, but we're football matchmakers who actually will be millionaires. I'm the very, Pete Davidson very, of flirting. Okay. He's he seems very good at it. Right. I mean, gosh, he's, Saturday Night Live guy, Ariana Grande, right. Right. Longer together and now. Moves the Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. That's yeah. a good run. I mean, kind of a good run. And then I'm enjoying like some of like the pictures we're seeing on social media. Like, oh, they one become of the memes. hockey game. Right. Right. Because he and Kate Beckinsale were. Right. Were making out. Right. At the game. And then there was. Who was the guy that was sitting next to him? I don't know, friend. I think he's an actor. He's another actor. Like yeah. Right. Yeah. But why do you even say yes to going to that hockey game with those two? Like, why even. You know <laughs> you're going to be the third wheel yeah. in that one there. And there he is, like, I, the, my favorite meme out there has been the one where uh, Kate Beckinsale's the Arizona Cardinals. Right. The guy who's being ignored is Josh Rosen. <laughs> and then the other, the, and Kate, uh, Kate Beckinsale is uh, Kyler Murray. And Pete Davidson, yeah. Pete Davidson's Kyler Murray and Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah, Cardinals. exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Thank you for straightening that out. I play <laughs> yeah. football. I'm yeah. not always that smart, all right? Yeah, there's some good memes out there. So, yeah, Pete Davidson, very good at flirting. But we're going we're gonna to help. Yeah. This is what we do. Good. We're going we're gonna to match some free agents up. Cool. With some teams, and we're going to make a, a match made in heaven that, that we think would be a match made in heaven. I don't know if they're going to become reality, but we think they should become reality. Yeah, well, we're going to, there's like some reality twist here, but also just things we would like to see. And right. that, that's where we're going to have fun. So, why don't you go uh, you, you, you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. All right, the first one, like uh, one of the big free agents out there that did not get franchise tagged, but people put this guy in the class of, you know, Jadeveon Clowney, Frank Clark, who both got franchised uh, by the Houston Texans, the Seattle Seahawks, Trey Flowers, right? Yeah. Trey Flowers is one of those guys where we don't know a whole lot about because, first of all, New England doesn't let you know about any other players in yeah. general. <laughs> they don't let their players wax poetically about other players on the roster. It's all part of the master scheme of Bill Belichick keeping free agents' prices down, right? If, if, if you're in New England and you start talking about the team in general on a press conference one day and you start talking about, oh, this guy's playing good and that play, 
like you will get called out in the team meeting the next day. Like Bill Belichick is famous for going like, who anointed you yeah. spokesman of the team? Go, we, we have just, to cut him now. You right, talked him up right. too much. And now we just have to worry cut about him. your job. Yeah. So that's why you never hear about New England players that's in this this you know shape, form, or fashion or whatever it is. But Trey Flowers, I want to see him go to the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have a need at the defensive line position. Their new head coach just came from New England, right? Brian Flores. Uh, I think Trey Flowers. You always hear about coaches wanting to instill the new culture in a team or an organization well I think that would start getting the New England way to catch on right away in Miami plus it's always fun at least for me I think uh, to see guys have to go against their ex-teams and to be in times two times right in the division that would add a little extra spice to the matchup altogether Trey Flowers would probably be bitter at New England for not paying him the money he wants they're going to want to win because they're rivals with New England, yeah. as is in Miami. And he's got a head coach who's going to want to teach, you know, the guy who taught him everything. He's going to want to try to win football games that way, too. So that's one that jumps out to me right off the bat. Outstanding player. I just always worried about uh, any, any any player that Bill Belichick doesn't want yeah. becoming a pumpkin. Yeah. You just always worry about no that. No doubt. You, you always, wonder if it's the system, the oh way they gosh. coach, those things. I, that's totally a justifiable question. Um, I, I got one. Yeah. Earl Thomas. Oh, I like um, it. Very contentious last year yeah. uh, with the holdout and the injury and the unfortunate injury. I would like to see Earl Thomas stay west. Yes. I, I think I know where you're going with this. Go a little Reddit. south. Red gold. Yeah, red gold. red gold, maybe white yeah. in the cleats because you like the white look. For I do like. I'm trying to get the you know Kyle Shanahan to pass that along to Jed York. Team up right. with uh, Richard Sherman. Right. Once again. Right. And you get to play your former team twice. Same thing with uh, the Dolphins and Patriots. Right. Earl Thomas in the 49ers match made in heaven. I like that. I'm with you all the way you there. You do like that Yeah, one? I really do. I mean, I think, first of all, that there's that that's not crazy. First of all, even just from the football X's and O's standpoint, there's a need at that position for the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco 49ers run the Seattle defense schematically, so yeah. it makes sense there. Plus, like, I mean, I know what you're saying, too. I mean, we like watching rivalries, and you like to see a little hatred between teams who are competing oh, against each other. Makes it so much better. It would make it so much better. Yeah. But him and Richard Sherman, uh, you know, Earl and Richard uh, against Seattle twice a year, like we were just talking about with Trey Flowers, and they're going to be disgruntled that they weren't paid or respected enough in the renegotiation period. That, to me, makes great rivalries. Great rivalries have to have something personal that works there. Yeah. That's why, like, the first time the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers, it was like Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh, and they had the little beef in college for that sure. spilled over. But I'm with you there, and I think it makes actually a lot of sense for the 49ers to be in that market anyways. Yeah, Richard Sherman is openly recruiting Earl Thomas to come over there. It, it, it almost is crazier than even a WWE thing. This whole thing between the year. I mean, Richard Sherman was public enemy number one. Yes. For the 49ers for so, so long. And then right. now, now he's a 49er. And now you could get Earl Thomas as well. I mean, it's almost like you couldn't write a script uh, as, as convoluted as that, but it's, it makes for some interesting It does. It makes it. The NFC West, like for me, is like amazing right now. I mean, between the three young whippersnappers yeah. at coach, right? You got like the all GQ NFC West. <laughs> yeah. It's Shanahan, Kingsbury, and McVeigh. You need to be attracted. With, with the old wise man and Pete Carroll. Uh, so it, it is it is cool that way. Okay, another one I'd like to yeah. see. I mean, let's 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 be serious. Le'Veon Bell probably like the top free agent on the market of yeah. everything he can do on the offensive side of the football. You know, running back slash slot receiver, uh, dependable. You know, hey, he's had one injury in his career. There's two teams that jump out to me 
where I would like love to see. And it, of course, again, I think I think it has to play into the rivalry thing a little bit. Like I was gonna say Ravens because I was like, yeah, that'd be cool if he went to Baltimore yeah, cool. with the Lamar Jackson. But I think the one I really want to see even more than that, I want him to stay in state. I want him to go to Philadelphia. I think that would even be cooler to see that, too. You know, Pittsburgh having to deal with somebody in-state, having to hear about Le'Veon Bell going off for the team that's across the state and the other right. major city. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell, I think, would really fit within that offense. The Philadelphia Eagles need somebody they can rely on at the running back position. I mean, last year was running back musical chairs for them. Injuries, uh, people not performing as well. They were constantly trying to find the right match there. Uh, they have a pretty good offensive line there. You want to talk about taking hits off of Carson Wentz, Wentz and making life easier on him? Yeah, a guy him like Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Right, and we know like a Doug Peterson who comes from the Andy Reid school of coaching – that they've had guys like this already with LaShawn McCoy back in the day in Philadelphia. I think they'd really know how to use a Le'Veon Bell. That would be one that I would love to see really happen and go down. That makes and sense. The rumors are pointing that that is a possibility. That is Philly? Not, the Philly is in the short list of the conversation of teams that are interested in Le'Veon Bell. I like just a personal standpoint. I think it would be super cool if he went to the Chiefs. You want, I want to put every playmaker. With Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, every playmaker yeah. in the NFL, yeah. I want to put him on the Chiefs. Yeah, right now I hear that. Just watch them go. I hear that I mean, if I wanted to get personal, I would want this guy to get him too, because they could use a running back. Oh, Aaron Rodgers! Oh, Aaron Rodgers! You're <laughs> yeah. the greatest I've ever seen. They make a pretty good good duo. You do think maybe a younger quarterback that could need that? You know, you could. There are a lot of young quarterbacks. Yeah, out there right. Four draft in the top ten last year that could use that safety net of a Le'Veon Bell. You right. Can throw to hand the ball. That's why you hear like the Jets in the conversation in reality yeah. too with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, yeah, again, the ground game, a guy that can be. Oh, I'm Sam Darnold. Nobody's open downfield. Oh, I can always feel good about throwing it underneath the Le'Veon Bell, and he'll keep us in good situations. That makes sense. I'm still worried about Lev Bell, though. I mean, 2017 wasn't great for Lev Bell. Then yeah. He sit out a whole 2018. Yeah, I hear you. Then you got to pay 50 million for him, or, or more than that. It's never, it's never easy playing. And like, uh, I, I've made this point before, like to Mike Florio on PFT too. Like, you can be in shape all you want. Being in f- football shape is a whole nother animal altogether because. Yeah. Hey, you can go there and have a trainer pushing you and do all that. But until, you know, you're on the field and, oh, it's hurry up offense. And, oh, gosh, I got to run the ball between the tackles and get crushed and then get back in the huddle real quick and get back to the line of scrimmage. Now I got to run a pass route and then it's back into the huddle. And, okay, now I got to pass protect. I mean, that like there is nothing that can get you ready for that working out. You can try as hard as you want, but football is one of those sports where you truly need to play it and be out there to get your body ready for it. Exactly right. Game speed. Right. Um, I got a quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Landon Collins. Okay. And Chris Sims. Oh. I want to get you. I want to get you guys together. Uh, you're a jerk. You on, I want to get you on better terms. <laughs> right. Because I heard that you placed Landon Collins at what the 20th best safety. I said that you could make the argument that he's in that conversation. And you did. And I you did. did well, you know, listen again, and and this is where my life becomes hard because like I've been around Landon Collins. I really like him, the yeah. person, and I like him when he's at his best, like at football. 2016, he was in the conversation for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He was off the charts good but 2017 was really not good 2018 last year was just 
eh, like it wasn't great. In a day and age where safeties are asked to cover and be so much a part of the pass game and speed and things like that, that's where Landon Collins hurts a little bit, to, mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. So, hey, my big thing is, hey, maybe uh, I know I said something like he's like, the, you know, arguably the 18th best safety in football. There's 64 safeties, first of all, in football. So let's keep that You're in mind. still above average. Yes, it's just yeah. way above average. And I understand that a lot of that is, you know, subject to conversation. But the one thing I know is not subject to conversation is he's not a huge difference maker the last two years on the football field. Right. He is not in the upper echelons of safeties. That is where I will certainly draw a line and argue with whoever wants to argue with me. He is not in the class of Devin McCourty, Derwin James, Tony Jefferson, Jamal Adams, you know, LaMarcus Joyner, Earl Thomas, Harrison Smith, just to name a few right there. I think that would go, people go, ooh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. So that's why I think the Giants didn't franchise tag him. I think that's why you're seeing teams. And I will be interested to see where he lands and gets paid uh, all together when all said and done. Just 25. Thanks for bringing that up, though. Thank you very well, much. I'm trying to get you guys back together and back on back on good terms once again. You know, it is interesting, and I was reading something on Pro Football Focus about Landon Collins, is that they feel like there's an opportunity for him to be more elite as a linebacker, playing more closer to the line of scrimmage. I think that's exactly probably part of the problem, too. Exactly right. A part of the problem or how to use him, the Giants, they use him at the line of scrimmage a whole lot, but still more in a safety role. But, yes, people Landon Collins' size this day and age is different than, like, when we grew up, where middle linebackers were 6'2 and 250 or 245 pounds. It's a more of a speed game about yeah. that now. I mean, look at the, the Los Angeles Rams. Mark Barrett. Aaron was their one middle linebacker who was 225 pounds. Corey Littleton was their other middle linebacker who was like 220, 222 pounds. So it was predicated on speed and their, be able to, their ability to be able to fly around the field. You know, hey, Ryan yeah. Shazier, he was one of the best linebackers in football before the neck injury. It was all about speed for him. He, I mean, he had to eat like extra food to be 222 pounds. Like he, but weight it, gain. So it's a different Shake mold of player. Yeah. yeah, right. It's a yeah. different mold of player though looking at that position than what maybe we traditionally grew up in it, that era. That is crazy. I mean, I'm like 185. I could have played offensive tackle in like the 1970s. Oh, I get this. Well, I, I, yeah, well, I, I get this all the time with like people <laughs> like, oh, I, I met so-and-so. Yeah. You know, I met, you know, uh, Telvin Smith on the Jaguars. He's not that big. Yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, Telvin Smith is like 6'2", 220 pounds. But it's not about the size. It's yeah. about the ability to apply force. And that's where I want to go like, yeah, okay, that's cool. I know you think you look at him and you go, hmm, I, I can match up with that guy. But, you know, if you went in the weight room and then you saw a guy like Telvin Smith move weights, you'd go, oh, wait, I get it now. Whoa, yeah. he can squat 500 pounds and <laughs> he's 220 pounds and he can bench 450. And that's, you know, people forget that aspect too. It's about the ability to apply force yeah. is what makes those guys Until special. you're on the field in pads with them and they're applying force and then on you. you. See, then you remember. Then you remember. Or you're you on go, the, oh. Yeah, oh, this is why wow, I don't play it's football. more than just about height and weight. <laughs> exactly wow. right. It was exactly. that force and now I can't think straight. Yeah. Um, you got any sure. more? Oh, uh, where's it my well, turn? I, you go. You All go. right. My, this is this is probably be my last one, too. Okay. Uh, C.J. Mosley, right? C.J. Mosley, okay. one of the better middle linebackers in all of football. Baltimore Ravens. Um, again, probably a guy that's asking for a little too much money in general, but a guy that can play all three downs. He's a little bit more along the traditional lines of linebackers like we talked about. He's 238, 240 pounds, went to Alabama, was in a 3-4 scheme there. Baltimore likes their middle linebackers a little bigger. But you know who needs a middle linebacker? really bad is that the Pittsburgh Steelers oh. and that is one I would love to see happen Pittsburgh's not in the greatest 
you know, they're not in the greatest shape as far as the cap is concerned. But, man, can you imagine that? I mean, you know, here we go, C.J. Mosley, the rivalry between the Steelers and Ravens, as is already. They're both going to be fighting for playoff spots once again this year. I'd be shocked if they're not. Right. And if C.J. Mosley's on the other side, again, there is a true need for that for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Uh, can they find enough cash and figure out how to make that work? It would be awesome. But either way, again, it would add to the rivalry. Uh, which I would love to see uh, in general. I am all about. I've always said sports is better when you hate your opponent. Oh, that's why I, it's it's way better. I, the evil empire, anything when you hate them, it's sports is way better. Well, way. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that's what we miss this day Revenge. and age, as compared to like the '80s and '90s when there was no salary cap. I always say like. Those were the greatest times in football, the rivalries there, because it was personal. Yeah. You know, their teams weren't changing. My dad had to play Joe Montana every year for six years straight. And he hated Joe Montana. Well, and he hated the whole damn team. He did? Well, yeah, because yeah. they were winning Super Bowls and the Giants were only That's winning true. one every now and then or whatever. <laughs> so it was, but it was personal. You know, when my father played the Philadelphia Eagles in the 80s, every year it was Reggie White and Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons. I can see not liking Reggie White as a uh, quarterback. As a quarterback. Yeah. But I do think that that's what we miss this day and age with free agency and the salary cap and everything. Teams, players, they're moving around so much that it's not as much personal as it was back in the old days, uh, and that's what's different about it. I got one more. Yeah? Uh, Roger Saffold, the the guard. Uh, Jets rumored in on him. Yeah, okay. If I was to be a matchmaker, yeah. get him back together with his ex. Oh, that's back so cute you. Oh, yeah. that's so cute. Together. You want to see them reunite. Yeah, great offensive line, Super Bowl team. You got a good thing going. You're protecting a young quarterback. Keep it going. Yeah, I, I get that. And they're, they have some other issues on their offensive line. I mean, as we saw during the, during the end of the season, it wasn't perfect. Uh, and Saffold is certainly, if not their best offensive lineman altogether. So that, that's cute of you, though, to keep yeah, them together. That's, that's very that's, nice. That was, cute. Yeah. that was a cute talk. Good job. It is that time in the podcast where we get to welcome in a Super Bowl winning player and coach, all around good guy, star of Football Night in America. Keep on, keep it going. He was in that awesome commercial with Rodney that I can't remember this year. <laughs> a national inspiration author. Right. I mean, he's a star. He's the man. Tony I mean, Dungy. Also, we're going to get to the football stuff, Tony, but first, he's also named the Grand Marshal for IndyCar season opener. At the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, I got to ask you first, what goes into being the Grand Marshal of an IndyCar race? Well, first of all, you welcome everybody. You uh, ask the drivers to start their engines. And then the difficult part for me is going to be getting in the pace car with Mario Andretti and letting him drive me around at about 180 miles an hour. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> oh, wow. Coach, you don't seem like the kind of guy that's dabbled in the 180-mile-per-hour car <laughs> driving thing before. So uh, you're going to be holding on for dear life with this one? Absolutely will, Chris. That was one of my points I always made to my team uh, when I put up the five things at the beginning of the training camp that can get you in trouble. And I'd always have number two was going over 70 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so 180 would be, qualify. Uh, new, new territory for me. <laughs> 180 would qualify. Of course, you've, you've been a fan of IndyCar for a while. Your days in Indianapolis, the Indianapolis 500, which will be seen on NBC uh, this year for the first time. So you've been a fan of it. So I, I wonder, have you ever done the gentleman start your engines before? Or will this be the first time? This will be the first time for me. I've actually was out at the, the racetrack many times up in Indianapolis, but never there for the actual race. And uh, it's, it's going to be pretty exciting to, to get them off to that start. 
Well, we're, we're wondering, because I know you're a guy that practices and yeah. is a professional. Like, uh, l let me hear it. Like, let me oh. hear, how are you going to deliver this? Are you practicing in front of the mirror <laughs> right now about different ways how to deliver gentlemen's start your I, options? I have, and actually, it's not, I've found out now, it's no longer gentlemen. It's oh. drivers start your engine. Oh, there's a little <laughs> sneak peek of what Absolutely. we're going to get. Yep. I like it. I like that. <laughs> and now, you do mention getting around the pace car, and people think, you know, I, you're in a pace car. Yeah, that's safe. That's the safest place to be. But it, it, you did text one of our producers, Matt, Matt Casey, Casey yep. and you, you sent him a text that said the pace car crashes happen even to the best of drivers. So you're even in danger in the pace car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to do a little research. There have been three uh, that I, I saw anyway. Oh, no. So uh, I'm going to tell Mario I'm trusting him. I'm putting my life in his hands, but he, he's got to be on point. Well, and, and and towards the end of the season with Football Night in America, there was a driving simulator NASCAR type oh, of thing yeah. uh, here in the building. And I just, I'm good thing they're not letting Coach drive because no, there was no, a few I accidents in that simulator. As as it looks. <laughs> yeah, people say, hey, those guys aren't athletes. I found out you have to be an athlete to keep that car going straight. All right, Coach. So let's get into some football topics. I really – there's a few things that have gone on this week that I'm dying to kind of get your take. Uh, the first one, uh, of course, the, the elephant in the room, the Kyler Murray situation, the number one draft pick. Will that happen? Arizona Cardinals, who took a quarterback at number 10 last year. What, what, what do you think about all this talk right now uh, as, as far as this conversation is concerned? You know, I, I go back to Cliff – Kingsbury's comments last year and he feeling like Kyler Murray was sensational and boy this is the guy and if I had a chance to get him I'd get him to me if you feel that way about a quarterback you got to go get him yeah uh, because you never know what's going to happen otherwise we were in uh, Pittsburgh I was a young coach and we had Terry Bradshaw so we passed on Dan Marino right feeling like hey we've got Bradshaw we're okay for 25 years until Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers were looking for that franchise quarterback. And, and we had him right there, and we passed him. So if you really think Kyler Murray is legit and he's the guy and he's as good as you talked about him being, to me, you have to get him. Yeah, and then you figure out everything else after that. You figure out what to do with Josh Rosen. You know, exactly. having two good quarterbacks, not necessarily hey, a bad problem. Jimmy right? Johnson did it, and it, it made their franchise. He had Steve Walsh. They drafted Troy Aikman. They ended up trading Steve Walsh, getting some more picks that turned out to be good players. Uh, and when that franchise guy comes, you got to take. Him. Yeah, I, I'm all with you there, Coach. You, you know, to, for me, I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. Your point about you can't pass up a guy if you truly deem him as a special. I would also just like to get your. I think he is special. I think he is that guy. I'm with you. I think the Arizona Cardinals should take him at number one. As far as that, have you got a chance to study him or look at him, or even if not, what did just when you watch TV, what jumped out to you about Kyler Murray and his game? Just the excitement, the, the energy level, the playmaking ability, and, and you watch him win games. Uh, I saw Russell Wilson do that. I saw Russell Wilson play in the Rose Bowl against my son's team in Oregon, and you say, this guy is special. And some, some people just have that. Baker Mayfield, we saw that all last year in, in those games. Just bringing that kind of indescribable talent. And I, I think that's what Murray has. I, I had to laugh at the Combine. It took me back to my old mentor, Chuck Noll, where, where people all of a sudden, oh, he's five ten and a half, so maybe he can do it now. 
you know, have you been watching tape all year? Right. Whether he's 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", this guy makes plays. And, and to me, that's what the quarterback position is all about. Yeah, yeah, they're not real short in college either. They have tall players. Exactly. I mean, in he's college. playing with a professional offensive lineman at yeah. Oklahoma, and yes, there are professional defensive linemen in Big Twelve. I think that's a very valid <laughs> point. Uh, definitely. The the Go question with, with Kyler was the the height and the weight, right? And he comes in at five ten. You're right, Tony. It's like, oh, everything's fine now. He's is at five ten. He's not the most outgoing guy in the world, and, and sometimes you think the prototypical quarterback leader, Baker Mayfield last year, has got a little bit of an edge, more of a, of a leader type, a more prototypical yeah. leader. okay, sure. In what we've seen from Kyle yeah, Murray, yeah. haven't necessarily seen that in some of the interviews that we've seen. Then you get reports out there, who knows how accurate they are from anonymous sources on, on how we did in these interviews. As a, as a head coach, how much do you look at that part of it, Tony, as, as you want your quarterback to be a leader of men? Not saying he hasn't done that in Oklahoma, but there are just questions on how well he can do that at the next level. Yeah, and to me, that's what the whole thing is all about in the combine, especially for quarterbacks. If, if you're thinking about a guy, you're trying to be around him and see how, how he is, how he communicates with everybody. But that, that whole personality thing can be overblown. Uh, Marcus Mariota, as I said, my son Eric played with him. I was around Marcus for three years. Very quiet, but mm. exceptional leader. And a guy who's going to, his, his players are going to go to war for him. So that that whole thing about being outgoing and, and all of that and what the public sees, that can be overblown. Coach, let's let's switch gears to a new subject. With Antonio Brown, of course, that conversation and the Pittsburgh Steelers wanting to trade him and how it all unfolds. He hasn't exactly been a choir boy as of lately with some of the Instagram videos and all that. I would just like to get your take, just from a coaching standpoint. I guess one, would you want a guy like Antonio Brown uh, if you were the head coach of a team that was maybe interested in in, in trading for a wide receiver? And two, what kind of head coach? do you think it takes to be able to handle an Antonio Brown and maybe some of the antics you have to deal with? Well, it's different than me. And I, I guess my thing, I know Mike Tomlin a little bit. If, if you can't play for Mike Tomlin, yes. or if you can't play for Andy Reid, I, I used to say that all the time too. Uh, I, I need to watch out. I'm not sure you can play for me. And, right. you know, Antonio Brown's a great player, tremendous receiver. He's going to bring energy and excitement. But I'm always leery. I was always leery when I was the head coach of great players who all of a sudden they, they, their team doesn't want them. They can't get along with their team. Why is it going to be different when you come to me? Now, if it's, sometimes it's just strictly money, and guys are upset about money, and you say, okay, we give him a better contract, he's going to be fine. But with Brown, it doesn't seem to be money. It seems to be different things. I, I'd be concerned. Yeah, yeah, and what you have to give up to get him as well and wondering if, if when he comes over to your team, if he's all of a sudden changing his tune and if he, if he is going to be that team player that you haven't seen. There are different pressures on, on players now. I mean, some of this has come out because Antonio Brown has done the media tour. There's sure. media now. There's yes, social media right. now. And so there are, there are just more avenues to share your your deep thoughts on your team, and a lot of times that's rewarded on social media. You, know, you get the likes. You get the retweets. You are a topic of conversation for a whole week probably good for Antonio Brown's brand that we're talking about on this long, but maybe not for the player. Do you think it's just different for the player now with the media landscape, Tony, than maybe it was even five, ten years ago? 
it certainly is different, but I don't think there's a, a coach in the NFL that doesn't preach that. Hey, we understand the landscape is different, but it, for us to win, we still have to follow certain parameters. We still got to keep this a team game, and and you've got to do that. And so it's not like that hasn't been preached to him. Um, I, I again, I, I just think. Boy, you, you better be careful when you bring that into your locker room. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you, Coach. I mean, I, I'm, I have the same feeling. Your point about Mike Tomlin or Andy Reid. I mean, I know, Mike, I was down in Tampa Bay when you left to become the Indianapolis co- head coach. I was down there and know Mike Tomlin, and he's got some of the best people skills I've ever seen. So you're right. I mean, if that doesn't work with him, I don't know who it will work with. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it is. It's the buyer beware. Good luck. Right, Good right, luck. exactly. Yeah. Now, you had no, you know, personalities like that when you were with the Indianapolis Colts. But, okay, I mean, I know I spent one year with one of those personalities that you were with in Tampa Bay, you know, Warren Sapp. You know, how, how does that – how do you draw the line in the sand to go, okay, I know you're awesome, you're a good player and everything, but I'm not going to let you, you know, run amok with being late for meetings and things like that. How does a head coach deal with a personality like that who, cause with a guy that might be, you know, a little different than the rest? You know, and, and there, there are all kinds of players like that. And for the most part, you, you talk about winning. Hey, here's what we've got to do to win. Here's what I need you to do. Here's the things you can't do. And it doesn't matter how good a player you are. If you can't do the things we need and you're going to do the things that hurt us, uh, we, we just can't allow that. And so that's the way I always proceeded. And everybody we had, whether it's Warren, Keyshawn, uh, anybody that you might think was a little difficult, they all bought into that. And it was never a problem. Not, not like it's been there in Pittsburgh this, this last year. Yeah, important to get the guys on the team already to buy into it. And important at this time where you're adding people to your family that you're, you're assessing the draft prospects, you're assessing uh, free agents, free agency about to really yeah, go right. into full gear uh, coming up here in just a few days. The flirting process will begin. And, and Coach, I'm curious on, on how you dealt with free agency. And actually, there was something very interesting that, uh, that Chris, when he was talking to Kyle Shanahan, um, about the order of free agency and the draft. Sure. Kyle thought it makes it more difficult. He wishes that they could do the draft right now, get some of these young players, and then go out and try to fill in the holes with free agency, kind of reversing the way it has been done uh, so far. Tony, what, what, what do you think of that thought? Would it be easier on coaches and teams if you could just draft the kids now and then fill in the gaps later with free agents? Uh, it would be better, no question about it. It would be better for the team because then you know what you really need, what you aren't able to get in the draft. Uh, I was always one. I preferred the draft over free agents. I wanted to get young guys and develop them my feeling was always if a guy was really that good uh, and going to be good for you, his team probably isn't going to let him go. Now, there's some exceptions to that. And when we were good in Indianapolis and we were good in Tampa, you can't pay everybody. Right. So sometimes it does just come down to money. And, you know, we lost guys like David Thornton and Cato June who were tremendous team players, and we just said, hey, we'd love to pay you. We can't afford you. Somebody's going to pay you more than we can. But uh, that that's superstar who just you know his team lets him go and all of a sudden he's going to be better for you I I was always buyer beware on that one too yeah I I understand that you know there's the flirting period that's coming about uh, like we were just talking about you know I'm just interested when it did come to free agency 
Did you did you know did you did you know who was going to be signed even before it started? I mean that for your own team, whether it be the Indianapolis Colts or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if free agency was say five days away, did you know there was already a semi deal in place or a, at least a wink wink and a handshake behind closed doors that there was a good chance you might get a certain player as a head coach of an NFL football team? We we never did. You you'd get guys who are interested in, in coming to you, but it, it generally came down to money. And in Tampa and Indy, we basically set out that first week of free agency, the big, crazy contract. Uh, and then we, we kind of picked up on the second wave. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, you would, you would hear about guys that, hey, they want to come to you because they want to play in your system. Hey, let's try to get that done. But, uh, yeah, we didn't have those huge mega deals that all of a sudden we're going to break on the first day. Yeah, it's funny hearing Coach talk about the dilemma for every team on, on free agents because you, you figure the best ones are not going to be free agents. Yeah, right. So you're like not going to get a yeah. chance at them. Yep. And then the ones who they do let become free agents, all of a sudden that's a red flag. You go, why'd they let, why'd they let him get away? Maybe we don't, want, we don't want him either. And it can come on the trade front as well. you got a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. for the Giants who they just locked up last year to a, a lucrative deal. And now you hear the rumors about – about uh, him possibly being on the on the trade front, don't quite know about the future plans for the Giants. If you were another coach or another GM that heard that from the Giants, would that be another red flag of why is this name perhaps being floated out there? That was always my question when our, our personnel people would come to me with, "Hey, we got a chance to get this great player. Why are they sending them to us? Why are they trying to help our team be better?" Hmm. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know that that's the question. It, it, Usually, if it's too good to be true, it usually is. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about something that really was like maybe too good to be true, okay? What's that? Well, I mean, it's kind of a somewhat relevant this week. It's the three-year anniversary since Peyton Manning retired, okay? Oh. So I have, I've never really asked Coach these kind of questions, and I am a fan first. I played football. I love following it. But, Coach, so you, you're in Indianapolis. You get there. Peyton Manning's the quarterback. Uh, give us a story or the moment when you realize, like, holy cow, this guy is something different. I've never been around anything like this. He's special. Is there that moment that jumps out about coaching Peyton Manning back, that, back in those days? Well, the first day I got there, he came in after the press conference, just said hello, said, hey, I want to be coached. I want to win. Uh, whatever we need to do to make me the best I can be and make our team the best it can be, I'm all for it. And then uh, about two weeks later, he came in with a yellow legal pad, about seven pages of things, and he <laughs> put it on my desk. He said, these are the things I want to get better at. This is what I plan to work on this off season, and uh, you need to help me with, with these. And that's when I said, wow, we, we've got something special here. Wow. I, the preparation just always jumped out. I mean, I always envisioned him, like, coming over to the sidelines and timeouts. And, like, you know, usually the quarterback sits there and listens to the offensive coordinator and the head coach and, like, hey, what do you want to do? I, I always envisioned him, like, just spitting out and blurting out plays he wanted to do. I don't want him to say, like, he was being disrespectful by, like, telling you guys. But just he had the nickname the Sheriff for a reason. Was he like that where he came over and kind of, like, was – a semi a coach on the field in, in that manner? He was, Chris, but he was always into the game plans and he always, you know, he was doing that based on what he had read and right. what he was seeing. So it wasn't ever a, you know, I want to do this. It was 
hey, here's where we are. This is what we're talking about. And um, he, he was just totally prepared. Right. Totally prepared. So you always felt good about the suggestions that he made. It, and it could have gone, uh, Tony, I was listening to an interview that you did, and it could have gone either way. I mean, it seems like Peyton Manning from the get-go was destined to be a, a great quarterback, top draft pick. But I, I heard you talking about how you see some of the same things with Jameis Winston here, how early on maybe you're not getting the success. And if you're not getting the success early on, sometimes you wonder, is, is that ever going to happen? Yeah. It, could, it could go either way. You see some of the same things with Jameis Winston that maybe you saw Peyton Manning dealing with early on. Well, yeah, and he just has to settle down and trust his coaches and his defense and, and everything, not try to win. And then Peyton went through that, that he was trying to win every game himself mm. and make every single play. And uh, I think that's a little bit of what's happening with Jameis, and I think that's what Bruce Aarons is going to talk to him about. Yeah. All right, Coach, we're getting towards the end. That's the last question here, really, before unless, unless Ahmed got something else you want to bring in. Maybe. We'll but see. I just – okay, this is something – this is for you and me. First of all, I want to make sure we're on good terms because I have been known to come into the NBC production meetings on Sunday afternoon, and Tony's kids are there some days. Some yeah. weeks he brings them up. That's good. And I That's come fine. in and say bad words at times. <laughs> oh, no. I say four-letter words. Oh, no. So I just want to make sure, Coach, none of those are creeping into uh, the household at the Dungy house, are they? I mean, I'm not in trouble. I'm not in the doghouse or anything, am I? No, you're good. You're good. But my son Justin does ask about you. How's Mr. Chris doing? And, uh, you know, how can we help him? Yeah, <laughs> he needs some help. That, he's a, Justin's my buddy, man. He's a lefty like me, too. I've seen his jump yes. shot. He's got yes. a smooth jump shot. But I am interested, did you always not swear? How did that come about? I, I know I'm from New Jersey. My father grew I grew up in a household where my father did swear a little, and that's where I learned it from. Sorry, Dad, but you were but how did how did you kind of become that guy who doesn't swear or say those bad words that I say so much? I, I think just uh, matured as a Christian, Chris. I, I was I was just like you, competitive and right. young and in the locker room and the, the whole thing growing up. Um, I, I just, as I got older, I just felt like that wasn't the best way for me to communicate. Right. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. I just, I clean. wasn't sure. I wasn't so sure. You still have time. No, you still have time. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I still Too have mature? time. No, you can fix no. me, coach. There's hope Too for me yet. <laughs> we've lost him. No, we've, we've lost him. Well, Tony, keeping it clean all the time, even going 180 miles an hour in the pace car. Yep. Good luck with that. Race in St. Pete. Yeah, good luck with that. We'll be listening for your, uh, for your grand marshal duties. And uh, thanks for stopping by the podcast, Tony. Hey, I appreciate it. Good to be with you guys. Thanks, Coach. Be good, man. All righty. See right. you. Tony Dungy, the great Tony Dungy. I love, I love hearing him talk. It just, it almost puts me at ease. Oh. I feel more confident about myself when I can hear Tony talk. He's like an amazing human being. Like, yeah. To the point where, like, like we were just talking about with the cursing, right? Yes. I like to curse, and I'm really not scared <laughs> to curse in any setting as long as it doesn't get me fired. That's the only thing that doesn't make me curse too many times right. here or on TV. But when I walk into the room on Sunday and we're all in this big screening room to watch all the games because we're going to do football night in America later, that, right. I usually come in blurting out what's up fuckers right <laughs> okay and yeah. Yeah. I, he's the no only, matter who's there no matter who's there but tony dungy is actually creeping into my game a little bit like you where, go in there and you look you survey the room and you say who am i 
Who am I saying here? here? And I still you say go. it. I still go, but then I <laughs> so you don't then I apply, sorry, coach. And <laughs> usually gets a laugh from the room. But so I started to feel guilty with Tony and his kids where I was like, oh, damn, I yeah. am truly a bad So influence. you're going to say it no matter what. It's just a matter of if you're going to have to apologize. Yeah, if not. I'm going right, to apologize yeah. or how guilty am I going to feel. He's not going to make me feel guilty enough to where I'm going to stop. I'll say that much. Um, Tony Dungy, great, uh, great to catch up with him. Yep. I wish him luck at the uh, IndyCar race to kick off the season for NBC, NBCSN. Uh, so you came out with your top eight. Yeah. Uh, draft prospects after what you saw at the Combine, uh, along with game tape and everything, yes, everything right, in the back. So right. the top eight. Uh, we have some reaction. Oh, good. Here we you go. guys out there listening and watching, uh, tweet it in. I'm always in for reaction, guys. I mean, first of all, I know I'm not perfect, and I want to have these conversations with this is what this podcast is for. So, you know, always feel free to react, talk, conversate mm -hmm. with us on these type of subjects. I welcome it. I welcome the questions, no matter how dumb or smart they might be. I understand them, and I'm always down to talk a little ball and talk quarterback. And I would say keep it clean, but obviously that doesn't. Nah, that doesn't apply to this. Uh, NYD yep. said, uh, how is Dwayne Haskins not number one? And then Judge to Stanton, Stanton said this, LOL, there's no debate for Locke being better than Haskins. He just isn't. Well, okay. So, you know, th those are that's a great statement, but, you know, <laughs> we need a little. Well, hey. here, here, here's how he backed it yeah, up. He goes, sure. I think Haskins has way more talent and upside, dominated against tougher competition, mm -hmm. can read progressions, and plays like nobody's business. Locke has the better arm, though. Locke has the better arm. Um, Locke was on the lesser team as compared to Ohio State, right? right? You know, Dwayne Haskins, hey, I, listen, this is very close. If there's a part of my rankings that I might change, it's these two to three. It's, it's Locke and Haskins. I thought it was neck and neck. I thought one of the things that gave the advantage to Locke, in my opinion, in a close race is experience. And I do think he's a hair of a more natural thrower of the football. Now, Haskins' arm is top-notch. I'm saying that both of these guys are top-10 picks, so this is not negative on any of them. I'm just, if you had to make me determine which one I'd want, I would go uh, with Drew Locke at this point. A lot of things I like about Haskins, certainly. I don't think he's quite as good as a pure passer as Drew Locke, and he's not as good an athlete as Drew Locke. I think that's both of those things. Now, they're both amazing in the pocket. They're both fearless with people around them. I understand the optics of stats and the record are going to look a little bit better for Ohio State, but you can't say that he played against tougher competition. I mean, the SEC is the king. Uh, yeah. there's, there's, no, there's, there's no denying that. The Big Ten has become really good here the last few years, certainly. But even they were down a little bit. I mean, Michigan yeah. was good, yes, but they but, yeah. Michigan out. Exactly right. And, and again, this is we're being nitpicky here. It's a really close one. I am a big fan of Dwayne Haskins. Like he, he could be the quarterback of my football team, certainly. I do think he's a hair more raw. And the fact that this was just his first year playing, that's why I think a place like the New York Giants would fit for him. He could sit yeah. behind a Eli Manning for a year before he kind of gets going. So go but ahead. How was his board work? That's what oh, we, we got gosh. the board work. We we'll got check no in with Charlie. And I like, never knew. I, was that a term people call it board work? Yeah. That, that's what the term. They go, hey, how's your board work? Well, or there, that's certainly, you know, what's he like on the board? It's just a, yeah. a simple phrase of being like, you know, how is he as a student of the game? Now what everyone, every year is going to be like, how's his board work? Yeah. How's no, no, they've been saying work? it. They've yeah. been saying it. I mean, that's been like an NFL phrase for a whole uh, for a long time now I'm gonna be saying it good yeah. good um, we have an omission we have a couple people that thought you omitted a, a worthy quarterback for your top eight go ahead 
North Dakota State. Yes. Easton Stick. He is. I, I. He might be a guy that I need to get in there. I just started in on him, so I kind of went with the big names at first, the guys that you heard about right. most commonly talked about as far as NFL terms. So I know he's on my radar, and when we get into talking to quarterbacks again here in the next few weeks, he might be in that top. He's top six, top eight, whatever it may be. I haven't done my deep dive there on him yet, so please bear with me on that one. But <laughs> No, TV scout. We're not giving you a pass. Yeah, no, no I don't not. want any pass. You but made he your is list. A guy. He was not on it. We're not giving you a pass. <laughs> well, all these other draft guys get to change it around like nine million times. That is true. I promise you, I won't be changing mine a whole lot. Might be a tinker here or there, uh, but I did my due diligence and really studied these eight guys hard. I got to see a little more on Nick Easton before I throw him in there. I just don't know enough about him yet. So, but I know he's on my radar to be in that conversation. Complete. Not enough information. Quite yeah. Yet, yeah. I don't want to do anything where I'm not fully prepared to talk about this it. This is one thing I thought of, too, and I, d- I did think you might be a little low on this one quarterback who a lot of people are higher on. How dare you actually, question me? No, we just I... got to know me. What the <laughs> hell? And there are some people who think he's a first-rounder. You had him as number eight, I believe, on your list. Will Greer. Yeah. got Steve Bryan, uh, Life After Brady, talking about Greer. Yep. He should uh, – you're too low on Greer. You're sleeping on Greer. And unwanted opinions with Nick and Jay – said swap Finley and Greer. The rest of the list is pretty good. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, uh, and I'm not – You are low on Greer. I know I'm low on Greer, but I just go with what the film says to me. I don't sit here and come out with preconceived notions and go, oh, well, you know, I saw this guy make a play on the highlight show back in October, so I'm already set. He's number four in my rankings. No. You know, I try to go into it with a clean slate. I really use a phrase that my dad used on the podcast on Wednesday. You know, I almost go in trying to not like the guy, right? Prove to me how good you are. I almost go in as a hater. I think that's the best way at times. You are kind of a hater. I try to be a hater to start, at least, so I'm on a blank slate. And Greer, no, Greer, uh, I know that his yards and numbers are going to look better than Finley, but I would welcome those guys if they ever came into NBC Sports here and wanted to watch film with me. We, we would get through the first game of watching each, and they would go, oh, I get it. You're right. Ryan Finley is clearly the more talented guy. Finley's the most accurate thrower in the whole draft. He's more accurate than any of the, even the big three. Now, his arm is not as powerful as Haskins, Locker, Murray. Yeah. He's not as athletic. He's close to athletic. But Finley was my pleasant surprise when I broke him down. I did not think I was going to be making him number four. Uh, does every, Great decision maker. Didn't have big time talent around him. I thought he threw the ball into more tight windows uh, with, with success than any of the other quarterbacks out there. He had all the other things, too, when you hear about timing and rhythm. And you go, yeah. well, what the hell does that really mean? I mean, oh, I'm throwing a 10-yard out to the right, and I'm going to get hit before the receiver makes the break. So I don't know exactly where he's going to be. So I'm going to put the ball in a spot where I think he's going to be. And he was on the money with those type of things, Able let alone being a better athlete than I probably gave him credit for going okay. into it. All right. We, yep. do, we do have a com- – I do want to give you one comment Oh, thanks here. a lot. Tom Siegel. Yep. The first reasonable ranking of Daniel Jones that I have seen all year. <laughs> Another, yeah. your hater. You were a little lower on Jones than than other people. Well, the, you know, other people though. You know, again, I, I'm not trying to hate on other people, but you know, sometimes in the world we're in right now, 
you know, other people consist of, you know, Joe Blow, the radio host, where I want to go, I don't know if he's held a football before, yeah. but or we're going to listen to Reed, who has held a football before <laughs> at Sparta High School yes. in Sparta, Michigan. So sometimes uh, I'm going to use a famous, you know, sometimes unqualified people make qualifying statements in this business. Yeah. And that takes, uh, that becomes a narrative where I want to go, well, who started this narrative? You know, I always go back to like Matt Barkley. Man, back in the day, gosh, I was watching every highlight show ever, and they were telling me Matt Barkley was the number one pick in the draft. Just forget about it. And then I get it, you know, and then I get turned on the film and I go, what the hell? And I go to go, oh, yeah, that's right. The people that were telling me he was the number one pick in the draft have no business talking about that subject. No, they need no. To just... They had a degree from Syracuse University in broadcast journalism. Yes. So they went to school very for four years and worked very hard. <laughs> Way to, to stick up for your orange. <laughs> that's very well. To have that opinion on uh, Yes, on Matt but Barkley. Daniel Jones – does a lot of good things. Uh, well, I thought it was weird with Daniel, Dan, and he, he's got, obviously, he had some success at, at Duke. Yeah. Um, when he was throwing the deep ball at the combine, it was almost like he would take a couple of crow hop steps up towards the line of scrimmage. I mean, I'm sure you talked about that. Look at you. No, I don't right. think I did, but look at you being right. all observant But it shit. seemed like he was doing yards, unrealistic things. Kind of, right? yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to hitch up and run into my center as I'm throwing the ball. Like, this is yeah. not center fielder in baseball. Right. This is quarterback. More than not, you're going to have to throw that ball with out even being able to take that huge hitch up step. You're going to have to throw it and go, damn, he's open 50 yards downfield, but I'm going to have to kind of just throw it off my back foot and launch yeah. it up there. That's what you have to do. That's the things he cannot do. And again, you know, I never like not, you know, talking negatively about, you know, kids or young men who are trying to make their way, but I'm paid to evaluate these guys. Daniel Jones plays the position correctly. He certainly has, um, the the this David Cutcliffe schooling around him. He's run a lot of pro style schemes that works in his benefit. But when it comes to evaluating him, you know, it just okay. I'm not going to sit here and go, whoa, look at mm. that. He threw the four yard slant to right. the guy four feet in front of him. That's You're calling him a little bit of a system. A system guy yeah. is what I'm calling. Yeah. And to be talked about in the first round or an elite quarterback. You know, the system guy just doesn't get it done. You know, you look at guys, hey, let's look at the top guys that are in the, that came out in the draft the last few years, right? I mean, Baker Mayfield, okay, yeah, we know he can do things when the system, per, like, puts it on a silver platter for him. Right. But he does it, too, when all of a sudden the right tackle falls down. He's got pressure. Or nobody's open, and he scrambles around and makes this unbelievable throw. That's life in the NFL. That's why Patrick Mahomes is who he is. That's why Aaron Rodgers is who he is. That's why Tom Brady is who he is. He, it might not be a sexy as those other guys, but Brady will subtly slide in the pocket and then subtly slide somewhere else. And you go, damn, he's slow as hell, but nobody can get a hand on him. Yeah. And then he throws a strike down the field. And that's what football is all about. You're going to very rarely be throwing from this perfect pocket consistently all game long. Please keep those coming because that was good. That, yeah, it was good. I feel good. like there were a couple Thanks. that were complimentary in there. Thank I you. I don't know why it we was. picked those out. Yeah. We should have deleted those. <laughs> we should have immediately deleted those. So, yeah, keep them coming, all the comments on, on what Chris says. Crazy or not, we want to hear what you Crazy think. or not, and crazy I am, so we know that. But I, one thing that, it, you know, if you're just listening to me the first time, the one mm -hmm. thing you can count on is I'm going to work and do my homework. And my, there's a reason why you say what you're saying. That there definitely is. I'm not sitting here trying to get, you know, clicks or likes or anything like that. Although it would be nice if you guys want to click or like the podcast. Please or, feel free yeah, to do the that. subscribe button. That is great. <laughs> it would be good. But, yes, I'm trying to do this true to football yeah. and be NBC Sports football GM. That's what I try to look at myself yeah. as. So, and so far, so good. So I, I really can't wait to hear what you, you 
dove into the quarterbacks at the combine and some of the free agent quarterbacks. I want to hear what your thoughts on some of the other positions. We yeah, had to hear we'll get into today. it. So yep. uh, we got a lot of time. Although free agency goes rather quickly, it does. I've covered a lot of baseball over the past few years and. Free agency does not move as quickly in baseball, and certainly not this past year, but but football is going to be, where do you think they're going to go? And they're gone. Yeah, I it's mean, it's, the big stars are gone, you're right, in the first, like, six hours of free agency, it seems like. Um, I, but I don't want to let you go yeah. without without asking you a couple things non-football. Okay. Because um, at Syracuse, we learned all the sports. Right. We do football, basketball, baseball. Such well-rounded individuals. We try to do that are. lacrosse, even very good yes. lacrosse program over there at right. Syracuse. Uh, basketball, huge basketball program with Jim Beheim over there. LeBron James. Oh, baby. Here's trending topic. This is the trending topic portion of the show. Yeah. Uh, just passed Michael Jordan on the all-time career points list. He's up to four now, still behind Kobe, but he's passed the great Michael Jordan. Um, I don't want to have the debate who is better, Jordan or LeBron, because I'm hearing that people have had that debate. Oh, is that right? People have gone over that before. I mean, Jordan's better. I mean, are you in that camp? <laughs> no, I didn't like Michael Jordan. I was not a Michael jo I grew up oh, in Michigan. and so we Oh, because he crapped on your Pistons no. all the time? Is that <laughs> no. why you didn't like no, him? No, Pistons had him for, with Early. Dumars and Isaiah Thomas yes, and Bill right. Beer and Rick right. Warren and Vinnie Johnson right. in the microwave. Yeah. We had his number. Yes. And then things changed. Yes. You you were part of developing his greatness. That was the, yeah. That was where he had to struggle before he became yes. Michael Jordan. Yeah. So I never, I never liked Michael Jordan. Um, but here's the, here's the crazy thing when I think about Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. and we've been talking about it, and I'm, I'm 30, 39 years old, and so I watched him play. His last year in Chicago, his last great year when he was still great, right. was 1998. Yeah. So, it, I, And we were talking about how are you going to explain to your kids, like, oh, the kids are going to say, oh, who is better, Jordan or LeBron, Jordan or LeBron? My kids aren't going to care. Because <laughs> it's so, I mean, you have, if you're 20, 21 years, if you're in college right now, yeah. you didn't see Michael Jordan as Michael Jordan in Chicago. Yeah, I know. And it's kind of the same way when I you know, hear people talk, my, my uncles and father talk about Elgin Baylor and Oscar Roberts. It's interesting to hear those conversations, right. but it doesn't resonate with me the way the guys that I saw with my own eyes. It's just yeah. crazy to me that it's 20 years right. since Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. Yeah, Chicago. well, his sneakers are still popular, That's so they're true. part of, yeah. like, you know, the young pop culture, millennials, all of that, right? I mean, so that that's what keeps him extremely relevant. He owns a basketball team, so he's still out there in that, you know, in, in that forum as far as being involved in the NBA. Michael Jordan's the greatest player I've ever seen. He's the, I mean, he's the first, really, in my opinion, like, what I would also say, I would say to my kids, if that's what we're saying, or grandkids, yeah. I'd go, Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. And really, he was the first, like, merchandise superstar of the world, For right? Sure. I mean, him and Mars Blackman, Spike Lee, and those commercials, we haven't seen anything like that. Yep. So, like, Michael Jordan uh, is absolutely the man for, as far as it's concerned to me. And not only, like, was it Air Jordan, oh, oh grandkids, you should have saw him dunk. He wasn't much taller than me, Grandpa Chris, but he could jump a whole lot <laughs> higher. I mean, those are the things I would yeah. be saying, like, truly got the nickname Air Jordan. And the NBA, like, questioned whether the air in his shoes was, like, making him jump higher. Remember? I mean, that was a debate. Yeah, like a uh, performance-enhancing right. shoe. Yes, right. Before the whole, Before why they were wearing thing. Chuck yeah. Converse. Wait, <laughs> yeah. so what would, you, what would you say about Mike or LeBron? Where do you want to take that? So, uh, you know, I think the cool thing about, you know, being in the Bay Area for the past five years was seeing Steph Curry and the, the rise of Steph Curry and kind of the same thing. You said, oh, it's just an average-looking guy who's yeah. an average size. LeBron is not that. No. LeBron is, is definitely a freak of nature. I mean, yeah. He's just a big guy who could have yeah. played football and probably could have been very good at football. Right. But he's got the athletic ability. He's got the agility. 
I have a hard time believing that if LeBron James didn't play back in the day, that he wouldn't dominate. I'm just going to say he could dominate at any level, any yeah. position, handle the ball in a different way. They're just different. Yes. And Michael Jordan was – the things he did was almost beauty. It was poetry in motion at times and the, the confidence he had at the end of the game. They're just different players. And I think we've had so many great players in every sport throughout all the years. I think it degrades them to some extent to say, yeah, to you're better, you're worse, yeah, you're yeah, not very yeah. good. Um, they're just so different. But I, I've, I've really enjoyed, enjoyed watching, watching them both play. The next great one could be Zion Williamson out of Duke, although yeah. we haven't seen him play for a while. Mm -hmm. He blew out his Nike shoe and then had a little knee injury and has sat out. They got a big game this week. Final game of right. the regular season before the ACC tournament right. against uh, North Carolina. You got number four versus number three, Duke yeah. versus North Carolina. Do you want to see Zion Williamson play in that game? Ooh. Should he play again? That's a good question. Selfishly, as a fan, I want to watch him to see him I because – he is like that a little bit. Like the two guys we were just talking about, Michael Jordan-ish, LeBron James-ish, where you just go, man, I, I just want to tune in to watch this because I want to see this big freak of nature go down the lane and tomahawk slam on somebody yeah. or something like that. But at the same time, no. I think it, for my future fandom, I want to tell him, don't do it. Don't play. Give it up. You know, it, it's you're the first pick in the draft. We know that. Don't risk anything. This is your business. This can make a this changes your life forever. It changes yeah. your family's life forever. It changes your grandkids' life forever. He can change his family tree history basically uh, within the next few years if he protects his investment, which is his body, and that is his business. And yeah, uh, it's it don't for me. risk the opportunity to play for 30-win Nick teams for the next five years. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to blow that. Well, him with Durant's going to be great because your <laughs> Golden Kyrie, State team, right? your Golden State teams, it's it's looking I, dysfunctional. I, no, I think that team I think will they're break gonna apart. Fall apart. I think they will break apart. Yeah. but I think they'll still be very good. Yeah, they will, of course. Um, I mean, what you don't think he should? You don't think he should play, right? Zion? Or no, you? I don't think he's healthy, first yeah, of all. I don't right. think he's healthy enough because he might not play the whole ACC tournament either. So. Right. Yeah. But, you know, there's more than money to this whole thing, too, though. And, and you do hear – it was interesting. I heard DeMarcus Cousins talk about it because um, they were asking him. When, when he went down, like, would you not play because he played one year in college? So the NBA changed the rule and say 18-year-olds yeah. can go back. Right. And he said, we can send you to war, but you can't make the decision to go to the NBA. You got to go to college. You're guilt. You, yeah. We have a draft. You can go there. It's a racket. But I mean, it is a racket. How right? dare you make a decision and skip college and go to the NBA? But and he, and he said that. And Demarcus says I look at it differently now than I did then. Yeah. I realize that I didn't don't get that much out of it. He says, but the year that I was there at Kentucky, it was one of the best years of my life. Right. And so you do hear players talk fondly of their one year in college. So. It's not always all about maximizing the dollar. It's about maximizing life experiences. Yes, I get that. And I think that's there's a lot. I'm, I'm sure Zion Williamson's had a really fun time playing. No, I, I, I mean, college, the yeah, college atmosphere, it's a fair point you make. A college atmosphere is special. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It, it, even in the NFL, as awesome as the NFL was, I mean, there's some certain college stadiums where I still think back about whether it was in Nebraska or Texas A&M going like, holy cow. Yeah. That was an amazing environment and everything like that. Uh, but you can't have it all. And at some point, you do have to make some grown man decisions in this one. Yeah, there's probably some experiences where if he doesn't play, he's going to see the Sweet 16 and Duke's in it. He's going to go, damn, I wish I was out there right now. 100%. But, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's something he's going to have to deal with and make a decision that he feels is best for him and his family. So we'll see what happens with Zion Williamson. We'll also see what happens with his flirting process. 
in the NFL. Yep, I'm the done flirting with you. I've had enough flirting with you this week. Talking about thighs and calves and spandex and yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, uh, good week. Good first week. Way to go, kid. We did it. You're the man. We got through it. Will there be a week number two? Yet to be determined. <laughs> I haven't been fired yet. <laughs> Peace out, homies. Have a good weekend. Uh, thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe, right? And like and retweet and whatever. And YouTube slash NBC Sports. <laughs> thanks a lot. Peace out, guys. See you.